I'm writing my story so that others might see fragments of themselves. We all love a good story. Stories have defined and shaped us during our childhood, growing up years, and in our everyday life. Stories are important. Stories are powerful. But the most important story is the story we tell ourselves and the way we tell it. Today, I am in conversation with Rajesh Ivaturi, founder and CEO of Wildlands, a storytelling platform. Hello and welcome to Between Us. make every conversation count in today's episode we're going to talk about storytelling the impact of storytelling and how stories shape our lives welcome to the show rajesh so rajesh tell me what is a talking relationship how do you define a talking relationship talking relationship interesting so in in uh, in any of the conversations i have i have my mental three pointers mm-hmm. okay So the first thing I tell myself, speak with authenticity. Mm-hmm. When I say speak with authenticity, what I mean is use more of I statements mm-hmm. and talk more about my personal experience, my uh, the way I think, mm-hmm. not to make it a generalized statement. So mm-hmm. that it comes across as what I feel mm-hmm. or what my experience has been. Mm-hmm. So that's point number one. Speak with authenticity. The second thing I try to do. not always successful is listen with intent hmm. so when i say listen with intent it means try to understand what the other person is trying to say hmm. and you know paying full attention so that when you understand a the other person also felt feels heard hmm. and you can then build on what the other person is saying hmm. so that the conversation is in the right direction we don't hmm. often but much as i try sometimes what happens is that even as the other person is speaking hmm. my mind is running in different directions hmm. but it's an effort to pull it back and say okay try to understand what the other person is saying hmm. especially when the other person is saying something that don't agree or have a different view on but still that's the second credo which is hmm. listen with intent and the third one is engage with respect hmm. more often than not i'm successful uh, here but i think that is important uh, especially in any meaningful conversation one wants to have hmm. i think engaging with respect so to my mind i think these three other ones in special cases maintain confidentiality if it if the topic is such uh, where someone is sharing something very personal so uh, to you know my uh, wife jokes that uh, if something is said to rajesh it's like throwing it in the well so if the if i know that this is confidential or important for the other person it's as good as dead nobody else will know including the people dearest to me because they don't need to know so yeah i think these are the three four things i try to follow to so, me that's what i think is conversation great talk to me some a little bit more about the i factor mm. what do you mean by i because sometimes it might also be, be i don't know if to uh, the correct word for it misconstrued for the fact that the conversation is a lot about i i me myself so where do we draw the line i understand you have to speak with authenticity about yourself but where do we draw the line between i and because let's say we're having a conversation and you want to bring your perspective mm. having said that there is also a perspective on the other side 
So where would you draw that line? Because sometimes it might be like, okay, this person is going on and on and on, on about I. Because at the end of the day, we are talking about a conversation, right? We are talking about engaging with another person. So where is it that we can bring the other person onto my side? How do we do this? I think uh, I'll talk about what the way I try to have these conversations in an I perspective. Hmm. The way I see it, I think uh, the I part actually makes it far more easier for the other person also to to engage. Hmm. Uh, let me explain this part. So, for example, if I say, as per my experience, this is what I felt, hmm. or as per the information I have gathered so far, this is my opinion on a particular topic. Mm -hmm. Okay, So then it leaves a lot of room for open-minded conversations because when I state it like I feel this way or mm. my experience has been this way, A, mm. I'm not making it universal. Mm -hmm. uh, B, if I say that as per the information I have gathered so far, this is what I think about this uh, particular topic. Mm. Then it also leaves a lot of room for more information to come in mm. and also doesn't make the other person feel that okay it's not like I'm making it sound like a gospel truth mm. this is what this person feels given the information that this person has that that is where I think the I statements are uh, are actually like for example even if it's a very controversial topic for example mm. if you present it as my experience has been this way mm -hmm. A, you're not making it a universal thing. This is how, it, this is mm -hmm. how these things are. Okay? A, I'm making it experiential. And B, even, even if it's not experiential, hmm. okay? but if I have to make a point on a topic which is not coming from a direct experience, if I say based on the information I have so far, hmm. this seems to be the position I'm taking. Hmm. So it also allows me to be open-minded and the other person also has a chance to state a different point of view without having to feel that uh, they may be hurting my uh, uh, emotions or my going against my thought process because that, to my mind, that way actually the conversations can build. But to the other point that you mentioned about uh, going on and on, that obviously is not uh, the way I think a good conversation uh, goes. Uh, I think what you were alluding to, if I understood your question on the I point was I think... Uh, if it's all about I, me, my perspective, uh, as long as it's being presented in a manner where I'm willing to engage with the other person, it's okay. Hmm. But if it's being presented as the gospel truth or the, the only way to look at certain things, hmm. then obviously I think it becomes, uh, it sort of shuts the conversation down because either the... Uh, I think in 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 such situations, the other person either gets into a fight or flight mode. I guess because if, if somebody is taking a very strong position, at least I do that. If someone takes a very strong position, I say, I mean, let it go. I mean, why do I break my head with this person? Let me just let that because this person has taken such a strong view. Hmm. There's no point debating, especially if it's a non-issue uh, for me. And uh, in most conversations, uh, I, the way I see it is that better to keep the friendship than to get into an argument and unnecessarily get into something else. So. Uh, I think it's a long-winded answer, but the point I'm trying to make is that if it's if it's being presented as a strong opinion, that's where I guess it gets into a problem. But if it's being presented as a, a personal experience, I guess there's a lot of room available to wriggle around. Awesome. Do you think a small talk is a conversation? Mm, depends. I guess uh, 
I mean, when you said small talk, the first thought that came to my mind was uh, a train journey or a flight journey, wherein it always starts with a small talk, right? I mean, mm. you start with the weather or the or the food being served or whatever. But uh, I've seen many of those conversations also build into something beautiful. So maybe as long as it's a good kind of a uh, startup or a warm up, mm. it, it's uh, it's not bad. I've always believed that the most important conversation we have is a conversation we have with ourselves mm. to begin with, mm. right? Um, you know, it could be anything. Mm. It could be uh, when you want to get into a relationship. It could be a personal trauma. It could be, um, uh, you know, it could be starting a new career. Any of those things. And by that, I mean uh, acceptance of a situation, right? Uh, I want to pick up a job. I must be sure about the fact. And, and I completely agree that, uh, you know, sometimes you have to embrace what's coming your way and then maybe learn. Yeah. But acceptance is very important, especially the fact that, um, you know, especially when you and I have discussed outside of the studio, uh, vulnerability, acceptance of one's uh, situation as is. Um, agree? Thoughts? Uh, I mean, uh, conversations with self, in fact, if I can expand it slightly, the, uh, I, I tell uh, my daughters indirectly, I'm telling myself as well, that the relationship that needs to be strongest uh, for any of us is with ourselves because the one person we're going to live with for the rest of our lives is ourselves yes so the conversation with the self are absolutely absolutely important uh, acceptance is one way of having a conversation with ourselves mm -hmm. if I had to think of a few other situations wherein conversations with self are important for example uh, one is I'm not sure uh, about uh, what I'm what I'm feeling or when when I'm not sure about uh, age could be uh, not being sure about something mm -hmm. uh, or not even knowing uh, what we are going through so conversations with self can help in every situation mm -hmm. acceptance I'm saying this is one situation definitely it'll help because unless we accept where we are, we are there's no progress but I'm saying conversations with the self can be much can help in every situation. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, I'm just thinking loud here. Uh, let me take this example of, uh, say, worry. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or irrational fears. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, irrational fear is a very rational way to put it. But uh, most fears are by nature uh, irrational unless there's something, you know, imminent, uh, which is going to happen, so which true. is visible. Yeah. Right. So how would the conversation with self happen in in such cases, uh, it is it is about uh, asking oneself as to what exactly is happening. You know, mm -hmm. for example, let me take an example. For the longest time, uh, I don't know if I, I can say it in past tense or I to say present continuous or whatever. Financial fear fear has been one thing which has been very very deep rooted. I don't know where it comes sure. from. Sure, could well be from from childhood, for example. Mm -hmm. Because I remember father used to say, "If you don't study well, you'll beg on the streets." Okay, mm. so I don't know where it comes from. I mean, I was brought up in a middle class, uh, low middle middle class family. 
But uh, if I were to talk about conversations with self when it comes to this fear, uh, any rational person or any friend of mine would say, but you're doing so well in your career, you're so well educated, you are in a, such a good position, you're earning so well, you're such a good bank balance and so forth. So that it's not rational. Uh, so somewhere, the other thing which has worked for me in conversations with self is that if I if I'm just sitting with myself, it goes into the infinite loop of oh my god what if oh my god what if it it and and that goes into and and this other friend of mine uh, who was speaking to slight digression but it's an important point on conversation with self versus you know uh, how these things uh, can pan out. So he has this. So he's a doctor. Uh, there was an unfortunate uh, death that happened under his watch, though it was not his fault. And uh, his a view, patient of his, a patient of his, mm -hmm. you know, uh, lost his life. Uh, but even legally, it was not his fault, and he was aware of it. Uh, mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, it was some something else that that went wrong, which is typically within the domain of all the things that can go wrong in a medical situation. Uh, but then the thought process, you know, this is the way he explained to me. He trusts me, so he shared his story with me. Very interesting. He says, uh, what if there's a case put on me? What if I lose my job? What if my child who's just two years old uh, doesn't have a father? And what if uh, for the rest of his life, there's no father? And what if with medical advancements, he lose up to 185 years uh, by the time he grows up and he's, uh, you know, dirt poor and, you know, having a distraught life. And these are self-conversations. These are all self-conversations. True. So the point I'm trying to make is that left to oneself, mm -hmm. sometimes these self-conversations may actually pan out like this. And and the only rational way I can put it, and again, this is not, uh, yeah, this is not the only way the conversations can happen, but some of these negative conversations, you know, the way it goes is that you look at step one, if there are five things that can happen, the mind picks the worst possible scenario. Then from there, even from there, if you take go to step two, there are five further possibilities. Again, the mind picks the worst possible scenario and then so on. So in three steps, you are like either downtrodden, you know, on the streets or dying of some unheard of disease. So the fear left by left to itself can create something like this so one thing i think may work i've seen work in uh, from my uh, situation for example is when you talk to someone else when they say something it builds a thought in my mind and then i add to that and then they say something else based on what i'm saying and that adds some other thought to my mind so it actually starts becoming a positive loop in a way me saying something the other person saying something else and so on uh, the last point i'll make on this one is that uh, in that process instead of the mind going what if what if what if what if it's like a iterative uh, loop uh, when i'm getting a positive cue in a conversation uh, with say someone uh, who's who's able to understand and so on the conversation can be more uh, fruitful is what I found in some situations. I'd like to go back on that point where you mentioned that the mind picks up the worst possible scenario. Yeah. I think here, this is what I would like to share my personal experience, me as a person, which is, um, I believe in a lot of self-affirmations and I, I uh, affirmations, which is um, about, you know, how I feel 
as a person, mm-hmm. um, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I say is, thank you for a wonderful day. Um, and by that, in no way it means that I would not face challenges during the course of the day. But that also means that come what may, by the time the day ends, I've passed through all of that successfully. So my personal experience, when I look at a situation, I generally do not tend to pick up the worst possible scenario. Mm. But again, what could be the worst possible scenario could also be the best possible scenario for the other person. But I I feel that... um, I'd like to just add on to um, what you said about um, the self-conversation part. Uh, And as I said, to me, in many ways, uh, self-conversation is also, uh, you know, a way of accepting the current situation. I mean, I I know that in your own personal experiences you've shared with me, and if that's okay, I would love to, um, you know, really uh, talk about it. you went through a phase of a relationship where things did not work out the way it did not. And I know that when you go go through this phase, there's a certain amount of vulnerability which you go through, right? Um, that can either make you a stronger person or it could probably make, and make or break, right? Um, can you talk through uh, the process of how you evolve through where you are today? And by that, I don't mean just you are in a strong, wonderful relationship and I really want this to be the best one for you. But I think above and beyond just having another relationship, there is also Rajesh, the person, you know, because unless he's strong from within, unless he believes that I can give my my life or my relationship or my ability to love another chance, that would have never happened, right? You always believed in the fact that, yes. So, so talk me through that phase of yours when you were going through this phase what did you do which which helped you where you are uh, you know and 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 i can understand you've had a exceptional career um just the, for my listeners he you know i uh, rajesh doesn't like to talk too much about his career although he has a great career he he his last gig was that of uh, if i would call it a gig but as a partner he worked as a partner with ENY and Deloitte. ENY to many non-consulting people. It means Ernest & Young, global consulting firm. They call but, themselves just EY now. Yeah. <laughs> They've dropped uh, they, the they Ernst & Young. And too. You know, as we move ahead, yeah. the ENY might merge to. But yeah, talk us, uh, talk me through this whole process of where, what, what went through your mind? I think uh, when it comes to my uh, relationship journey, so... I would uh, maybe look at it in uh, three or four phases okay? mm-hmm. between the two relationships. Okay, hmm. So I, I was divorced and I got remarried and there was almost a seven, six, seven years gap between these two. So there were three or four phases in this gap. Hmm. Okay, So first one was uh, dealing with the separation, okay? hmm. how I looked at my separation. That was a part one. Part two was then dealing with myself, you know, who am I? Uh, what am I kind of a phase I was in. I'll talk about each of them. And the third phase was about, okay, now I guess I need a relationship kind of a f- uh, phase. Hmm. And the last was, okay, now this is the person I'm I'm now taking a plunge again. 
So, briefly talking about each of these phases, I guess the first phase about uh, dealing with the divorce or the separation was the conversation I had with myself about what do I say to myself about that relationship. Uh, the initial thing was obviously a lot of negative talk about self and the other person in the relationship. But fortunately, where I found uh, the balance or the peace and, and now that's I feel that's the right way to look at it is to say it's not about whether I was right or my wife was right or whether I was wrong or she was wrong. I think it the way to look at it is that sometimes these things are just unfortunate. Okay, So... Uh, it's not about who's right, who's wrong. These things are just unfortunate. Uh, series of events that just go in a particular way. And uh, when I when I got to that point where they just said, it's just a series of events and it's unfortunate, that's when I felt, okay, it's a good closure. It was a positive closure. There was no negativity there. I was not writing off that relationship. I was not writing off that phase of my relationship. There was a beautiful child we had together. So that helped me uh, sort of can that part in a good constructive way that it's unfortunate we both are uh, we both are normal people uh, with our own uh, great qualities and our own innate flaws but it just so happened that that relationship brought out uh, some of the dark elements of each of us okay that was part a uh, if i may yeah uh, sure what do you mean by dark elements i guess see uh, dark elements as in See, two people, when they're together, sometimes uh, they tend to uh, bring out the best in each other. Sometimes one may bring out the best in the other and the other may actually bring out the worst in the first person. Mm -hmm. And, and there are all those combinations there, thereof, you know. But I guess uh, in our situation, as I said, everybody has some you know, weaker aspects and some stronger aspects. Mm -hmm. Maybe in our situation, it so happened that we somehow, because of a combination of events, uh, we tend, we, we somehow ended up bringing out the worst in each other. And I think uh, it's not about bringing out the worst in each other. Uh, I've not actually spoken about this much in this fashion. But I guess it's also about uh, a situation when uh, sometimes, you know, things happen in a particular way wherein it brings out the worst in you. It's not just the other person bringing out the worst in you. The situation, a lot of factors end up being bringing out the worst in, in, in each of us. And it tends to sort of take the relationship in a to a stage where it's a point of no return. Um, can you say that this has, to a large extent, um, in a way, expectations being mismatched um, or two individuals maybe growing, but growing independently, um, you know, outgrowing each other? You know, I guess the uh, one of the biggest things uh, uh, when I look back is that lack of communication actually, on top of all the things I already said, uh, when things are not going as planned, and, you know, uh, events are not going as planned. When we're not communicating well, that's when uh, we're not helping the situation, mm -hmm. right? So, and I've seen now in my relationship, in my, in, a, in my marriage now, the role of communication, I never understood the role of communication earlier. But now when I see 
in the worst of uh, situations when we are able to talk honestly and help each other understand where we are coming from that can actually solve a lot of issues so to my mind uh, of course i'm not picking one versus the other but lack of communication a combination of factors unfortunate all of this but i think communication played an important role you could also say as you said uh, uh, compatibility which could either be non existent to either begin with or it there was compatibility initially but as you said uh, you know couples grow apart because as you as you're moving on with life you know each person might uh, grow in a different direction which collectively may not make sense as a couple so part of that also could be but all in all i think the way i managed to make sense of it was all of this put together i can just say it's unfortunate a bunch of things happened it was unfortunate but it helped me move forward because i had to move forward and the way to move forward was not in a negative way because i didn't want to carry any bitterness or any ill uh, ill will for uh, or, or or any sort of you know bitterness towards myself as well so both were important i should neither carry bitterness for my ex wife nor carry guilt in my own heart so that's the second part of the journey but the first part was to can it so that was part a so you, you want to add something no i i you know uh, completely uh, i think this is something which i firmly believe and i'm sure you'll agree is that um we are we see bitterness around us when we are bitter from within we see joyfulness around us when we are joyful from within right uh i definitely want to go back to that last point which you said where you said that um you had to move forward right um and under these circumstances sometimes uh people just stop moving forward you know they get stuck somewhere and that has nothing to do with their financial situation or what they are doing in their job or anything um so talk me through the process of when you realized i need to move forward one b did you get help for that did you seek help in moving forward was was it your daughter which was also responsible for you to believe i am responsible for the kid i need to move forward i am responsible for myself first i need to move forward i guess uh, you know of of uh, all the major events that happened in my life mm-hmm. uh, i i normally joke that uh, all the major decisions were taken by me uh, life didn't uh, throw any curveball at me life kept happening but all the biggest decisions i uh, took by my own volition and uh, in most other situations it appeared like the road was naturally curving one way or the other mm-hmm. it didn't seem like a crossroad where i had to stop and decide whether i should go left or right mm-hmm. but in this situation this is the only situation where i actually felt like i was at a crossroad uh, and decide whether i have to uh, move forward with the relationship or move ahead and 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 look at something else mm-hmm. so and it was a very tough decision obviously i mean i had a kid and and uh, i love my kid to bits uh and there were a lot of others you know it's like uh uh i can't generalize it but at least uh, i was brought up in this very traditional mindset marriage is for life so uh, in our extended family there were hardly any cases of divorce so even breaking that 
mental barrier was a big deal not just about my kid uh, you know being there in the relationship so a lot of these things so i had to really have a very tough long uh, look at where life was and have a very very uh, uh, it was a tough decision to uh, make my mind one way or the other but what i guess eventually helped me was uh, i have uh, i i just try to look at things completely unconstrained in all situations be it mm-hmm. work be it life mm-hmm. so i just cut all the artificial constraints about societal norms or anything else i just said okay what is it that uh is best for me for life for the kid uh is it is it good for my kid if we are uh, together for the sake of being together but not being happy at all so is that better for the kid versus we actually separating and uh, though it might be humongous short term pain but in the long term it's all uh, at least the kid is living in one happy setup uh, okay uh, so a lot of these uh, conversations a lot of these decisions but end of the day uh, what helped me was uh, thinking in an unconstrained manner what is good for me what is good for my kid what is good for my ex uh where life should take me and and i think the the one question that i asked myself was uh, can i actually make this relationship work do i have it in me to make this relationship work and if the answer is no then the relationship should end one interesting thing which uh, i discovered in that process because uh, the first thought that came that i that came to my mind was okay if not this then who if not this relationship then who so fortunately uh i told myself that these are two independent non related questions okay the first question is is there any future to this relationship answer yes no what happens next is a completely different question the two should not be mixed at least that's what i told myself so if the answer the first question is does this relationship have a future if the answer is no then that's it the relationship ends what happens next that life will tell you uh in some of my friends you know uh, when they had the similar situation uh the 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 next the what happens next question was somehow intertwined with this question about should end the relationship so i said we should look at this as two separate questions altogether so i think uh all of this helped it was tough but uh i took a very decisive uh, call and uh i can say it played out well for all of us i'd like to jump in here um yeah. when you mentioned if not this what next yeah and i think most of us many of us uh, and i think this is where um you know it might sound a little philosophical off late many spiritual gurus talk about it but don't you feel that the most important relationship is the one which you have with yourself and do you really need uh, an external validation in the form of having another relationship for you to make that decision to walk away um because at the end of the day uh, the way i look at relationships is for me um the most beautiful relationship i have personally is with me and my creator um and i use creator in a in a different sense and you probably would but i think we have this beautiful life and we have to we have to make the most of it in terms of uh evolving growing and becoming um you know the person we want to be uh, we can't sit here and predict how we will be 25 years from now but we do have a fair idea in terms of how we want to take 
our life forward. And I'm not talking about becoming, uh, you know, in my case, the voice of uh, the next generation or anything of that sort, but just who we are as a person, how we evolve and better ourselves every single day, right? Did you struggle with the fact that, or did you feel that I absolutely need someone, only then will I be able to, uh, you know, prove to myself or to the people around me that, hey, it's not my fault. Uh, things didn't work out. So sometimes I feel when we say we need another relationship is to sometimes we want to prove to ourselves or people around us, you know, I'm not a bad relationship guy. See how the next relationship is working wonderfully. Um, I hope you're getting where I'm I'm trying to come, uh, come to. Uh, how important was for you or how important do you feel today? I mean, I know you're in a safe, secure relationship, but do you believe that working on yourself, uh, you know, being secure yourself in your in your emotional space uh, helped you have a relationship or not have a relationship. That's 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 a separate thing. But I mean, I feel that when you said, and I that yes, there are two separate things: one relationship with the other. But do we need really need that validation to have another relationship to prove to yourself that you know I'm I'm good at this or I'm not good at that? So. Um, I think there are a lot of... Talk about that phase between one yeah. where you actually evolved and probably helped you get into a relationship which... You know, I think the 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 thought process is not that... I don't know if uh, need for validation is the only reason to be in a relationship. If sure. that's the need, it's a very negative space, to be honest. Uh, and... I don't know if anyone gets into this uh, another relationship wanting to prove to the world that I'm not a bad relationship person. All these positions, to my mind, can lead to a, a very unfruitful next relationship. Absolutely. I guess the... Which is why I said do, we should separate these two questions, you know, because what happens next will happen next. True. You know, maybe the future is no relationship. Hmm. Maybe the future is lots of living relationships. Maybe the future is, uh, you know, another marriage. Maybe the future is uh, three more marriages. I don't know. Okay, maybe the future is in the Himalayas. I don't know. So the, so the, my point, my point was, do not mix the current, the the question of should this relationship stay or end with what happens next. What happens next will happen. Let that happen in its due course of time. The question is, does this relationship have a future? If the answer is no, then end it. And it could be for a job, for example. Is this job working for me? What happens next? Yes, of course. Maybe that's not as such a... It may be, maybe not. But if, the, if someone comes to a conclusion that this job is not right for me, then this job needs to end. What happens next? That'll happen. Absolutely. And I think that's that's precisely what I was trying to uh, yeah. figure out. Because if you look at it, especially from today's uh, point of view, and I, I, and I wouldn't blame a particular generation of people, but in general, over the time, um, if you look at it, um, somehow, somewhere, it seems like um, that... I'm not saying everyone, I'm not saying about you or me, but in general, having, getting into, quickly getting into another relationship is, is kind of a validation for you to prove yourself. That's a rebound. Uh, yes. A rebound. I mean, you call it rebound. I, I'm just saying, it's it's a way of to saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good at it. Um, so, 
getting back to my earlier question, did you, did you, and, and, and this is very important, did you seek professional help to go, to tie it through the, the, the face? Um, did uh, you speak, uh, did you have a community or a group or a support system around you, people who you could speak to? Um, so I did meet a couple of counsellors, but at that time, maybe I was not coachable enough. Uh -huh. I was too headstrong in my mind. I was, I was like, you know, what would these guys tell me about? You know, mm. what would they know? And I love I, this coachable enough. Yeah. I was not coachable, and uh, and maybe I had a bit of hubris as well. That you know, I know I've read so many books. I know mm -hmm. human psychology. What will these guys tell me? So at that time, I didn't go to a counselor. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I went to a counselor much later. Hmm. Okay. So which is the phase two of my journey? Which mm -hmm. is who am I? Right. This journey, because uh, the way you pointed out. My first reaction was, I will end this and get into one more relationship. Hmm. Okay. Because it felt like I'm out in the desert. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. So I had to first deal with that. Okay. And the answer to that was not jumping into another relationship. Not that I was so thoughtful and, you know, I planned it so well. I was on all matrimonial sites and all dating sites uh, from the word get go from the day my separation process started. I was mm -hmm. lucky that I didn't get into any of those relationships. Mm -hmm. okay? And it gave me a chance to reflect. Hmm. That period gave me a chance to reflect on who I am, what I want, where do I want to be, how do I see life. Mm -hmm. if, uh, if in that phase I had gotten into a relationship, maybe my journey would have been very different. Mm -hmm. okay? So... Uh, so the second phase of my journey was to ask myself, who am I? Where, you know, what is life and so on and so forth. So there, uh, the process about self-acceptance, you know, or uh, uh, the way I said it, it's not that the other person is wrong. It's not even that you are wrong. Okay. Both conversations were important for me. Uh, Walk us through those conversations, Rajesh, if you can. Yeah. See, I think it's not the other person's fault for that. I had to then look at that person and their choices and all their behaviors in a very, very objective manner. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there are two important parts to that. Firstly, understanding why someone uh, behaves or does what they do versus accepting that. Okay. Let me put it differently. Uh, if I am talking to a serial killer, mm -hmm. okay, and if I look at that person's entire life journey, I may actually see why that person ended up being a serial killer, okay? Could be a combination of events, childhood, whatever, you know, I see those things. I can understand why this person landed up, where that person landed up. But that doesn't mean that I accept that person to be my friend or to be my uh, whatever, my partner, if that happens to be the uh, relationship I wish. But so understanding someone's uh, behavior versus acceptance, these are two separate things, is an important thing I discovered in that process. Okay? Can you just... So just because I understand uh, all that, let's for example, take take the case of, uh, say, a wife beater. I'm just giving an example. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now that person could have a temper problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that temper problem could actually be, uh, from a clinical perspective, not justified, but they could be a reason why this person turned out the way this person turned out. Mm. Okay. Mm. So when you look at it objectively, you understand why this person turned out the way this person turned out. 
okay, okay. or why this person behaves the way this person behaves or what this person choose makes the choices they make mm-hmm. okay that doesn't mean i want to live with that person okay so the understanding is important that doesn't so that understanding helps you not monsterize that person okay this is a person uh it's very easy for us to sit in judgment and say oh this person is bad you know this person is good but if you actually understand why they are where they are hmm. it helped me i don't know if that's universally true to look at that person as a human being like all of us have our own uh shades of uh, personality traits everybody has personality traits right so uh it it helped me objectively look at that person saying okay this is why this person is worried it helped me reduce the bitterness okay that doesn't mean that i want to live my life with that person okay i understand but it doesn't mean that i accept to be part of your life for the rest of my life or i accept to be with you for the rest of my life this is so wholesome rajesh yeah i think it's uh, i i wish i could just jump over and give you a warm hug for this because yes. it's it's, it's uh, this is very important a uh, question and i think this is a part of what we are trying to discuss uh, today why do you think people choose to stay on because at the end of the day it's a st- uh, choice they choose to stay on despite domestic abuse or uh, or um, let's say in a workplace situation uh, you know going through uh, workplace harassment do you feel that um, it has a lot to do with uh, the fact that a person believes that i'm only good enough for this or um my choices are limited or it does not matter wherever i'm i've i've heard people say in work environments uh, you know they just casually say kahin aur jayega bhi to yahi milenge ab choice tumhari hai kaam karna hai ki kuch aur karna hai right i mean this 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 whole perspective comes in and and i'm i'm trying to just get into it because it does not matter whether it's a relationship or you're in a work environment or anywhere else i think somewhere down the line have we all started believing that we are not enough for this or you know uh, i'm no psychologist but i can talk from my experience yeah i mean th- yeah. that's the whole thing this is not but, about uh, yeah, being so a- but I, what i've seen uh what i felt especially is that change is not an easy easy process mm-hmm. okay the the as you were speaking the best example i could think of is that you take a frog and put it in boiling water it will jump out of it hmm. but if you put a frog in normal water and start heating up the water hmm. it will die without realizing hmm. okay so change is not an easy process so i think it's far it's as simple as resistance to change it's not about uh, do you believe that to my mind i guess that's the biggest hurdle most people resist change okay the status quo no matter how bad it is unless it is so bad that it's like boiling water where you want to jump out i guess uh, most people resist change uh, to my mind i think that's number one impediment uh, before everything else you know uh, because to change i mean and and uh, there was this funny uh, incident in uh, this b school uh, friend of mine we were sitting and chatting and and uh, he was a gold medalist now bad so just to establish the credentials before i make my point so as we were chatting uh, uh, there was a glass 
on top of which there was a water bottle put. As I was just talking to him, I just was, you know, I was mindless, not very mindful. I just put the bottle on top of a overturned glass. Mm -hmm. He had to drink water. I was talking as he was talking to me. He picked up that bottle, drank the water, and put the bottle exactly on top of the glass. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. not being mindful. So the putting the bottle down on the table was far easier mentally. Mm -hmm. Than uh, not not mentally far easier physically mm -hmm. than actually adjusting the bottle on the inverted glass, but to do that he had to think differently. Okay, he had to think different from the status quo. Mm -hmm. That, to my mind, is a far bigger exercise. So look at it physically. What's easier to put the bottle back on the table or put it back on the inverted glass? Mm -hmm. It's far easier physically to put the bottle back on the table. Mm -hmm. But it's far difficult mentally to change the status quo. Hmm. What was the status quo? Where's the bottle? Just put it back. Put it back where it was. Where it was. It's far easier mentally. Okay. So to my mind, I guess changing status quo is the biggest hurdle. The willingness to change status quo is the biggest hurdle. But is that all, Rajesh? It's not all. Uh, it's not all. Uh, sorry, I'm just butting in. So I guess number one is that to my mind. The number two is. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'll give a slightly uh, uh, two two data points which come to my mind. Uh, there was this uh, placement consultant who once said this to me. Uh, I was asking her about uh, how much money should I ask for in my next job. Mm -hmm. So she said, think of an obnoxious number, add 20% to that and then ask that number. <laughs> so I said, why do you say that? She said, yeah, I mean, because if you put that value on yourself, mm -hmm. that's when others will put that value on Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Okay. That, that is brilliant. Uh, and a lot of us, uh, and and the I think again, linking it back to the, the resistance to change. If let's say you're getting uh, 100, earning 100 right now. If someone asks you, how much do you want? You will say 130. You'll say 125. You'll say 150. You'll never say 500. Because you're mentally pegged to 100. Mm. Okay? That's true. the resistance to change I'm talking about. True, true. You know? So, the resistance to change, to my mind, is the biggest factor. There are many other factors, you know. Uh, and the resistance to change also comes from, okay, this is a job I've been doing for the last five years. So maybe I can only do this much. But have you actually taken a pause and asked yourself, all this requires a different level of thinking. A, a boss of mine put it beautifully once. He said, if I knock on your door at 12 in the night, mm -hmm. and we both were bachelors back then, mm. he said, and we used to live together in, close by in a, in a colony. Mm -hmm. He said, if I knock on your door at 12.30 in the night and say, let's go for a drive, you will say yes. Mm -hmm. But if I knock on your door at 12.30 and say, let's make a, sit on a presentation, mm. you will say no. So his point was, the mental laziness is way higher than mm. physical laziness. The <laughs> same point I'm trying to make in different ways. The mind, once it gets set in one area, it just wants the Newton's law, right? Any object at rest or in motion continues to stay at rest or in motion unless an external force acts on it. That external force is the impediment. My, physics is my view. My physics, view. the universal. I'm truth. not a psychologist. Caveat once again, but no, my I, view. I, I don't think I was asking from a psychologist's perspective because a psychologist's perspective is um, is independent of individuals. So this is this is more from a personal experience, and that's what our conversation is about. Um, 
during this entire process, how often did you judge yourself? Because I think judgment comes through. Um, how often did you? You, you mean know, the relationship uh, journey? Yeah, the journey, your personal journey, going through this, evolving, becoming. How often do we, I, I think we tend to judge ourselves all the time, you know, in some form or the other. It may be sometimes very subtle and sometimes not. But I, I'm sure uh, apart, apart from the vulnerability factor, there's also the judgment factor, right? Uh, and maybe how we judge ourselves also makes us a little more or less vulnerable. Does that work? Does that sound about correct? I'm thinking about it. So maybe it's a good cue to start talking about the phase two of that journey. Uh -huh. So phase two of the journey was uh, where I was in self-doubt, you know, because when a relationship ended for me, my question was, am I lovable? Mm -hmm. Am I lovable enough? You know, okay. would people want to be with, would someone want to be with me? Was my mm. question. So again, uh, luck or life played its role I entered into a relationship uh, and uh, that relationship did a lot of good to me because uh, it made me uh, believe in myself again so I'm giving a different answer I'll link it back to what I'm trying to say but let me lay it out first to you so uh, that relationship was uh, beautiful though it didn't uh, uh, translate into marriage but it it genuinely helped me at that stage in my life it helped me believe in myself it helped me understand what love is it helped me understand what relationships could be uh, so the point I'm trying to make is that uh, the biggest learning in that phase was allow life to happen to you okay so uh, I I I kept sitting and thinking, okay, am I this? Am I that? Am I that? But life happened to me. Okay, and when life happened to me, all these questions got addressed automatically. It's like you know, uh, it's like if I have to look at my next ten years journey, if I had to sit and plan my next ten years journey, what all skills will I require? What all mindset will I require? I can sit here forever but life will happen by itself. So the biggest learning in that phase was allow life to happen to you, which is being vulnerable, not trying to control uh, things and am I this, am I that. Which is also being vulnerable. Which is ex exactly being vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. So being vulnerable is to allow things to happen, not trying to control part A. Part B was, um, uh, you know, uh, so I, I, uh, I told myself this. So, uh, in my extended family, I was a star kid. You know, in my family, my mother's side, my father's side, I was a star kid. In my school uh, friends, I was a star kid. People would say, "Oh, look at Rajesh," and so on. So, I was a star kid in my family. So uh, there was this uh, uh, unspoken uh, thing: "Ki ye to Ram jaisa bachcha hai." You know, he's like this ideal boy. You know, uh, so well behaved, so good at studies. You know, the the guy but there was another part of me which was not at all that uh, ideal boy kind of a image which was uh, thrust upon me but I thrust upon it myself so that's in that phase two I had to actually uh, and I, I dramatized it to myself I said there is this ideal Rajesh that has been uh, brought up and you've been putting yourself under the pressure of that and then there's a real guy what are the real guys I said only one can survive true 
and I have to choose which one to kill. Okay, not which one to let live. Only when I kill one would the other live. So I said, okay, this image of what I'm supposed to be, let me kill that. Only then who I could be would emerge. Okay. How long did you have to live with that image, which you finally killed? Oh, 30 plus years, you know, uh, mm -hmm. right, right up till my divorce. And anything which I would do against that template, my mental template of this good boy image, I used to feel extremely ashamed, guilty, you know, why am I like this? I'm supposed to be like this, you know. So there was, there was this constant chatter and all that led to lack of confidence, poor body language. Because this is not... It's like, you know, I'm uh, running around with a whip, okay? <laughs> uh, an invisible whip. And I'm whipping myself day in and day out because I'm not being that ideal uh, person I'm supposed to be. So the only way to let go of the whip was to let go of the uh, pressure to be that guy which I was not. Yes. Okay. So along with that, the whip also goes away. Then I'm just being who I am, right? And comfortable being uh, who I am. And uh, that was the phase where, you know, a new relationship happened. A lot of things happened. Life happened. So I learned a lesson to allow life to happen to you. Uh, with because, that relationship? With life, with that relationship and in life in general. This friend of mine said something beautiful when I was trying to worry about something. Uh, she said, uh, do you think you are God? I said, why? Why do you think uh, you are responsible for everything, every emotion, everybody else feels? I mean, let them take responsibility for their emotions you uh, focus this, on what you can do this was basically that alter ego of yours you had which you had built around you the ideal person who has to be responsible for everyone's exactly. emotions exactly um, okay except your own emotions except my own emotions so it was like uh, she said uh, are you trying to play god uh, let others be and let <laughs> focus on uh, let you be so a lot of these important lessons uh, i would say i let those lessons come to me Okay. I didn't have to chase, I didn't have to think, okay, who I should be, what I should be, how I should be. I just had to have the courage uh, or the vulnerability to allow life to happen to me. Do, do you think that uh, this relationship, I'm, I'm assuming, if I'm correct, is in between your, between yes. the first, uh, your separation and your present, Yes. in between what happened, right? Yes. Uh, do you feel um, a lot of, self-exploration, a lot of um, self-evaluation, coming out of the shell of becoming who you are. Did that relationship play an important role? Oh, absolutely. Or? Absolutely. But I would say, I would say uh, a lot of things happened simultaneously. That relationship definitely was one of the uh, catalysts. I had made some new friends mm -hmm. who are my besties today mm -hmm. uh, in that phase. Uh, I had... Uh, learned some of these new lessons hmm. uh, which are now my credos. I had devoured YouTube for uh, zillions of hours of content on on spirituality, philosophy, history, cosmology, all the things I was talking about, uh, evolution. So I was a, my curiosity went up hundredfold because I had time on my hand. Uh, I was not running a family. I was living by myself largely. So I had access to all the technology. I was traveling mostly in my consulting job. So again, I had more time than in any average bachelor because I had to travel a lot. So when you're traveling again, you are by yourself. You're in a your flight, you are by yourself. In the hotel rooms, you are by yourself. So I had a lot of time. And uh, thank God I used that time to uh, 
uh, nurture my curiosity and try to get into this. Now, as I said, I can link it back and say, okay, all this is meaning this. But then at that time, I was just running after whatever interested me. So in that phase, also a lot of intro important lessons came by my way. What uh, are those? So first one is allowing life to happen to you. And yeah. that was a humongous lesson for me. Uh, because if I had written my own script back then, even in the hundredth draft, it wouldn't be the life I'm living right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It I won't say it's better or worse. It's very different. You know? hmm. So hmm. there's no point trying to write those scripts. Scripts hmm. is the point. You know, let life decide the script. It, it probably could have been even better than what you are today. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. So just allow life to happen to you. Hmm. You know, don't try to, because trying to write the script ahead of time is a wastage of time. But do you also believe, I uh, to a certain extent, that wherever you are today, um, I'm trying to just get a little bit, uh, uh, and that is also tied to my next question, um, or rather my next point of conversation. I think that's what we are having. Um, do you believe that many of the things in our life are predestined? Uh, most of the scripts are written and somewhere in between, we have to, um, uh, you know, uh, customize a few things, but largely it is written down for us. Uh, honestly, I mean, I just want a very honest answer because my experiences have have um, showed me that, um, okay, let me put it this way. Um, have you had uh, premonitions at different phases in your life, different stages in your life? Let, let's get to that first before we... Uh, I wouldn't say premonitions, but I would say uh, this thing that... Uh, Paulo Colo said in uh, Alchemist, uh, and Arun Shahrukh Khan also said in in one of. Are uh, you are a Shahrukh Khan fan? Not at all. Yeah. So, but uh, not that I don't like him. Not, just that I'm, I'm not like you know fan oh. fan. But yeah. uh, the thing about if you really want something, the whole world conspiring to make it happen to you, I experienced that a few times in my life. I I I I, I, I have to I'm I'm generally. Uh, in these conversations, I'm I speak the least, but we, I think we are talking um, uh, about something which is very close to my heart, and I and more than uh, that, I enjoy conversing with you. Um, I feel that to a large extent, the universe resides within us uh, in many ways, um, and our imagination. I mean, I think for anything to happen, we need to have that imagination. We need to have that vision, whatever you want to call it as, that this is what wants to happen. And if, as I going back to what I said, if you're bitter, if you're happy, if you're joyful, it's all a state of minds from within. If you believe that there's something you want in your life, and if you put your heart, mind, and soul to it, uh, whatever you call it, cosmos, universe, God, they bring it to you in many ways it happens to you that does not in any way mean that the universe will bring it to me and I just sit out there no the universe also helps you when you work towards it um, uh, coming back to your point about yeah. universe conspiring um, and I would want to tie it to the fact that um, uh, do you believe that Rajesh's script has been already written and he's trying to uh, he's he's following that path knowingly or unknowingly uh, do, do you believe in this? I don't know honestly you know I'll tell you uh, it might sound a little funny or maybe even hypocritical I at an intellectual level hmm. 
feel that life is random. Okay, at an intellectual level, if I look at evolution, I feel things just happen. I mean, we try to find meaning in it, but things happen. That's at an intellectual level. I'll talk about the hypocrisy now, but I also want to know what uh, my stars have in store for me. I also want to talk to an astrologer to see what he says about me, what he says about my new venture. I want to do that as well. So, do you wake up in the morning and look at the newspaper or, uh, or on the internet to check how your day is going to go? No, 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 not that. Uh, I'm not that uh, at it. But uh, I think at uh, so that's why I said I think the best way to say it is I don't know uh, instead of trying to say something and sound very hypocritical. So, uh, I guess at an intellectual level, I feel life is random. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm also humble enough to accept that we don't know what we don't know. Okay, There is a method to the way the universe works. Just because we've understood a few things doesn't mean we've understood everything. There are a lot of things which we don't know. And I think we should just leave it at that, that we don't know. Just because you don't see unicorns doesn't mean there are no unicorns. But just because, you know, they you've not seen it yet, it doesn't mean there are unicorns. Right? So to me, I'm happy leaving it at I don't know because that's the, you know, either position you take that there are unicorns or there are no unicorns, both positions could be challenged. To me, the easiest thing is to say and to keep myself at peace, I don't know. Okay. Oh, I recently heard um, Rajesh that we have about thousand unicorns in the country right now. <laughs> <laughs> Decacons and you know whatever centicons. I don't know what are there. A lot of new terms there. But you know the other thing I would say is. Uh, uh, but you've still not answered my question. Do you believe that there is a script? Do I want to believe the astrologers when they're saying good things about me? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I want to believe them when they're saying bad things about me? Absolutely. I said, no. So how can this be true? So as I said, that's where the hypocrisy comes in. I, I, I choose uh, these things conveniently when they're working for me. But I think at a, at a uh, heart level, uh, to me, what's more important is, uh, the other thing I've learned in that phase is, uh, you cannot control the events that happen in your life. Right? So... Uh, all that you can control is uh, the way you react to the events. You know, Events don't define who you are. The way you deal with those events defines uh, who you are. Okay. So a couple of point, more points I'll add to this. Uh, secondly, the human mind again adapts so beautifully to changing situations that even if you're out of luck uh, tomorrow, end up in a far better situation than what you think you are right now, you'll adapt to that. And uh, conversely, if you end up in a far negative situation than what you think you are right now, you will still adapt. So, and uh, the last point I'll add to this is that, uh, and I've seen people, and this is my theory, that people are born with X percentage of happiness and X percentage of Y percentage of sadness when they are born. You know, this is again a strong point of view uh, uh, I'm propagating. Uh, so the people who are born with... These are your opinions. My opinions. Yeah, yeah. This is my opinion. There's no theory. There's uh, nothing backing this theory. To okay. all the viewers out there, disclaimer, this is this purely is Rajesh's opinion. opinion. Yes. Okay. For all you know, all of you probably are born with only happiness. Probably, I'm just putting it out there. Probably. Probably. Yes. But then I'll, I'm actually saying it in a slightly sarcastic and funny manner. The people who are born with, say, 30% uh, uh, sadness and 70% happiness, hmm. 
no matter what shitty situation you put them into mm-hmm. they'll find their 70% happiness sure okay and there are people who are born with that 70% sadness mm-hmm. no matter what situation you will put them in they'll find the 70% things to crave about yes. okay yes so i know i'm saying in a lighter vein not that you can't change but the large point i'm making is that it doesn't matter whether things are preordained or things are random mm-hmm. what is more important is the way we deal with those situations hmm. which is what eventually makes us happy or sad hmm. uh, like there would be millions in the world who would kill to have a life like we are having hmm. uh, but still you know none of neither of us can claim that we are top of the world right we still have a lot of things to look forward to and a lot of things to uh, you know crave about so hmm. so i guess it's more about the way we take it that's the way i'm uh, a long answer to your question whether it life is preordained or uh, random to me my simple uh, my long answer to your question was it doesn't matter thank you for listening to this episode of the between us podcast this podcast was recorded at manikpod studios in chambur mumbai our sound engineer is mainak chakraborty and your producers are arnav dogra and santosh kumar The Between Us podcast uploads episodes weekly and we'll see you next time.